Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hey, good morning, Reclamation Church. So good to be with you all today. You all look beautiful. Look at your neighbor and say, hey. Now look at your other neighbor. Give him an air five. Don't, don't give him a real five. Give him an air five. So good to be in the house of the Lord with you. I miss my Reclamation family this past week. It's so good to see you and worship with you. Let me just point out something that was, that was pretty, pretty good that just kind of clicked in my brain piece, as Tyler likes to say. Did y'all hear the reaction of the kids when Miss Lay was like, it's baby food. Who wants baby food? Did y'all hear the reaction? Ew, no. Let me just point out that some of us in our Christian walkers still focus on baby food. And if our kids can get that there's so much better beyond baby food, then we can get that there's something so much better as we grow deeper and grow deeper in the Lord. Amen? And, and you find that meat in the Word of God. You find it here. Let me, let me just say, as your pastor, I love you. But if you're only getting fed on Sundays, that's baby food. You're only digesting baby food. Your nutrition, your spiritual nutrition needs to go so much deeper than Sunday morning. Amen. And our kids understand that. If, if our, if that that's a great illustration. If our kids can understand in the physical then we need to understand in the spiritual that we need something deeper, richer than just baby food. Amen. So I want to encourage you this week, get into the Word. Go deeper. You need to go deeper. This, this is the season to go deeper. Please, as your pastor listen to me, this is the season to go deeper. This is not the season to withdraw. This is not the season to, to, to unplug and, and, and unwind. This is the season to go deep. This is the season to get strong and courageous in the Lord and be bold his throne. Amen. Again, you all look beautiful. I love you. Love each and every one of you. We all love a good compliment, right? Who doesn't love a, how many of y'all are like, stop complimenting me? We don't do that. We love a good compliment. And we're starting this, this series today. I'm, I'm actually pretty pumped about it called After God's Heart. That's a huge compliment. David was known as a man. God himself said that he is a man after my own heart. That's huge. That's a huge compliment. So over the next few weeks, I want to dive into this. What does it mean to be a man or a woman or a child after God's heart? And we're studying one of my favorite characters, David. How many of y'all love David? David's, David's awesome. Uh, uh, full of humility and integrity. But here's the key. Like, he had lots of highs, lots of lows. But he remained faithful and loyal and steadfast through it all. And when he messed up, royally, because he was a king. When he messed up royally, he didn't just throw in the towel. He had a heart of repentance, a heart of change, a heart of transformation, a heart of grace. And, I, and that's what I want to uncover and unveil over the next, uh, we're, y'all, I'm calling this nine weeks. We're going through the end of September with this, because there's so much to dive into with the character of David. Amen. 
So if you have your Bibles, I want to ask that you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it'll be on the screen behind me. Uh, and then we're also going to look at Acts chapter 13, verse 22. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, He raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David. I love that. I have found David. The son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do my will. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would encourage us today in your word. Lord, give us a passion to pursue and to follow hard after you, to be a man, a woman, a child uh, after your heart, to have a passion to pursue you and to do your will and to be found by you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love that. He says, I have found David. Let let me just hit that really quick because I don't have that in my notes. Uh, We've been traveling this week, so I haven't been able to dive fully into this. But I I really feel like I need to hit this right now because he he says, I found David. How many of us are running and we don't want to be found? And in this season, we've holed up ourselves and and hid ourselves from the face of God. But God is actively seeking. He's looking. He searches high and low. He looks all across the land. He's looking for somebody. If only we could be found by, by God. Here's the thing. I love, my, my kids are funny, if you didn't see or notice already. You know, coming home, Adrian can come home from work. I could come home, whatever. And if they're home, they immediately go to hide. Just out of no, we don't know why. They're just like, oh, mommy's home. Let me hide. It's, I mean, it's obvious where they hide sometimes. It's not hard to find them. Right? But, but I feel like some of us are in that season right now. We feel like God is, is, is home. God is coming. And, and we hide. Oh, no, let me hide. And, it's, it's, and let me, hear me. I think it's because we have the mindset of Adam and Eve because we failed God. We feel like we've failed. We feel like we've rebelled. Some of us have rebelled. And so because we are, because we are afraid of the consequences of our actions, we hide. We withdraw. Because we're afraid of what might happen if God were to find us, we hide. But God just wants to walk with us and talk with us, to be our guide. Amen? To bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. This is what I love about the beginning of of the world. (laughs) In Genesis, right, we see Adam and Eve, and it says Adam and Eve walked with God. And there's a part in there, I think it's in Acts, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 3. Might be, no, it's Genesis chapter 3. I wish I could remember it off the top of my head. But it says that in the cool of the day, y'all read that before? God would come and walk in the cool of the day. That word, cool, is ruach. In the breath of God. 
he would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. In other words, there was a, a spiritual time. There was a spirit time that Adam and Eve walked daily with God. They had their own designated time, and they missed the appointment because they hid. See, God just wants to come and walk with us and talk with us. We can't hide anymore. In this season of isolation, in the season of withdrawing and hiding behind closed doors, listen, this is not a time for isolation or rejection. This has to be a time of preparation. This has to be a time of elevation. More importantly, this has to be a time of revelation where God is speaking to his church, speaking to the body of Christ. But you cannot receive a revelation if you have, are not tuned in to where the voice is coming from. There's so much noise. I am nowhere in my notes right now, but there is so much noise. We have to be tuned into the voice of God in this season, or we'll miss it. And I don't want you to miss it. So God is seeking people. He's seeking people to be after his own heart, to have a heart for God. And that's why the Bible says, seek him with all of your heart. Everything that is within you, seek him, and you will find him when you seek him with your whole heart. He's looking for people to be a man or a woman after his heart. Why, why would God put such a high affirmation on somebody? That's huge. Why, why would he do that? Why, how can I have a heart after God? And, and that's what we want to uncover over the next few weeks. Over the next few weeks, we're going we're to dive into a study of David, his life, his character. He was a man of highs and lows, yet he remained faithful through it all. Amen? He was anointed. Let me give you a little quick, of a back, quick backstory of him. He was anointed as king by the prophet Samuel, while he was still a teenager. My young kids, my youth, listen to me. If David can be anointed as king as a teenager, he can definitely choose and call you and anoint you to do something for his kingdom. That's why I love this season of family church. So our children can see what true worship is. So our children can hear the word of God. So our children can receive that calling and anointing and be found by God. Amen? This is the season. He was, he was only a teenager when he was anointed to be king. Although he did not assume the throne until he was 30. Pastor Tyler was talking about that this morning in our serve rally. Sometimes we want something right here, right now, but it's not in God's timing. He was anointed as king when he was a teenager. He didn't become king until he was 30. Y'all, that's a lot of waiting. But he remained steadfast, loyal, and faithful through it all. Not only was he faithful to God, he was faithful to man. That makes sense? Because Saul was king, yet he remained loyal to the king. Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. David understood that. Amen. He was a uh, he wasn't didn't become king until he was 30. He was in his teens when he killed Goliath. And he probably wrote Psalm 23 and other psalms while he was still a teenager watching his father's sheep. The trials that David went through at the hand of Saul occurred when he was only in his 20s. He had been through so much before he even became king. So many highs, so many lows. He experienced so much in his youth. And that's what I want to point out first and foremost. This series, this study has, has two points that I want to get to. And first, we're learning... Uh, and studying the character of someone that was after God's heart, meaning that he had similarities. He shared a likeness with God's heart, full of grace, full of humility, full of integrity. He shared that with God. But more importantly, I want to point this out. He was a man after God's heart, meaning 
he was after, chasing, after, pursuing his heart. Not only was he, not only was he a like God because of his characteristics and character, but he was pursuing who God was. It goes beyond just being like him. It goes into pursuing who he is. Not, what I mean is not only was David's heart and passion and will similar to that of God, they were a product of his passion for pursuit. Him being a, a man after God's heart was a product of his pursuit for the presence of God. He was after the heart of God. He was chasing after the heart of God. So not only are we studying the character of a man who is a reflection of God's heart, we are studying the passion behind his pursuit. And I want to kick off the series today just hitting four quick qualities of, of who God or who David was and, and what we can adopt. And, and guys, I promise, like, we're going to dive really deep into these over the next nine weeks. Is that okay? So today is just an introduction. I promise I'll be up here for like 10 minutes times four, right? But these are four qualities that mark David as a young man with a heart after God's heart. And the, and the first one is to have a heart after God's heart, we must be converted. Let, let me go back and insert a word there, truly converted. We must be changed saved, transformed, a new creation. By nature, David was not a man after God's own heart. By nature, by human nature, I am not a man after God's own heart. Amen? Uh, and he did not possess some inherent goodness which made God choose him. And in Psalm 31.5, David even said, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Paul tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not because I was born after God's heart. It's God transformed me and reborn me after his heart. A true conversion, a true transformation. We, without that, we are all self-willed and self-seeking rather than God-seeking and kingdom-seeking. And without God, nobody deserves anything but judgment from him. Amen? When we encounter God, when we have a salvation experience, when we realize that we need a Savior to save us from the consequence of sin and being born into sin, when we are saved, there's a change that happens. When we are truly saved, when we are truly transformed, there is a change that happens. Paul calls it being a new creation, new completely. In other words, we have a change of heart. There's this conversion that happens. And see, conversion deals with a change of form, transformed, a change of character, or a change in function or purpose. In other words, not only is my heart transformed, my will is transformed. Not only is my heart transformed, my actions are transformed. Not only is my heart transformed, my passions are transformed and, and, and made new. And I have a new desire and a new hunger for something that is different. And when we commit our lives to Christ, when we commit our hearts to Christ, there is a change of heart and a change of character Inside of us. Listen, we, we are no longer self-seeking. We are kingdom seekers. We are no longer self-willed. We are kingdom-willed. Amen. In other words, when our heart becomes a product of grace, a product of his own character, we become his children, and there becomes a change in heritage and a change in legacy, and we live in the legacy of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. But this is not something we can do on our own. David even said that. He says, how blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven. 
whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. This is not something I can do on my own. This is something that God does and transforms within me. The Holy Spirit, by faith, makes me a new creation. And Paul argues that no one is made right with God by their own good works. Rather, it is by faith in God's provision. So we have to be on the right track. We can't get off on the wrong track from the start and assume that David, by his own willpower and effort, was a man after God's heart without the work of the Holy Spirit. See, conversion is not something you can do. It's the work of God through the Holy Spirit. And I like to think of it like this. Conversion is a military rescue. Conversion is a military rescue in which God breaks us out of imprisonment and delivers us into his kingdom. And he raises us up into his kingdom. That's what I love. God chooses those whom the world often overlooks and rejects. And even Samuel would have picked David's older brothers, not David. And David's father didn't even consider his youngest son enough of a candidate even to bring him in from the fields. But God's choice was David. Listen, there's no excuse for sin. We could look at a comparison between David and Saul. Saul, when he, when he was anointed king, he had, his heart was transformed by the Spirit. And, he says, and the Bible says that he went up and prophesied with the prophets. He had a transformation. But he still had to deal with sin because we're human. David had a transformation. But unlike Saul, he had a repentant heart. Saul would come up with excuses for things. Listen, you cannot excuse sin. Sin is your attempt to cover, or excuses is your attempt to cover your own sin. But you can't cover your sin. Repentance and forgiveness is God covering your sin. Amen? And there's the difference. David was honored by God and covered in grace, whereas Saul ended his life in disgrace. I'll say it again. David was honored by God and covered in grace, whereas Saul ended his life in disgrace. You cannot excuse sin. There is only repentance and forgiveness that can cover every mistake, every failure, every sin that you have ever committed. It's nothing you can do. It's nothing you can say. It's only the word of God. It's only the blood of Jesus that covers sin. Amen. Conversion is then the awareness that God has done a work in my heart. So how do you know that you're truly converted? Paul tells us to even test it. Test your conversion. Test your faith to see where you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Paul says that. Test yourself in your faith. And so I, I want to encourage you. Where are you in your conversion? Where are you in your faith? Where are you in your transformation? If you are truly changed, your taste has changed. If you are truly changed, your heart has changed. If you are truly changed, your emotions have changed. I'm not saying you can't be emotional. I'm just saying there's control over your emotions. Amen? Genuine conversion is a change of heart that replaces my heart with God's heart. Amen. So we need to ask ourselves, what evidence do I have that God has been merciful to me? What evidence do I have that God has been merciful to me? Listen, when you, when you start to think of those things, you build your testimony. This is where God has intervened in my life. And that turns to praise. That turns to worship and adoration for what he is doing in your life. And it's a probing question. It's a probing question. Where has God been merciful to me? Look back in your life and see. Amen. Number two, 
To have a heart of God, you must be spirit-filled. You must be spirit-filled. Look at First uh, Samuel 16, 13. It says, Then Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. When Samuel anointed David for the throne, the Holy Spirit came upon him mightily from that day forward. And so David was markedly different. He was a markedly different young man because of the Holy Spirit. I love what Paul says in Romans 8, 9 to 10. However, you are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit. There's that transformation again, that change, that conversion. Uh, If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are not in the flesh anymore, but you are in the Spirit. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Are you a child of God? Is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Are you Spirit-filled and Spirit-led? Or self-willed and self-led? Examine yourselves today. I, and I say this because this is what David did. David would examine himself. And, and he would find things that were not of God, and he would ask for repentance. That is having a heart after God's heart. Being in pursuit of the character of who he is always. And, and, and a good question to ask yourself is, if the Holy Spirit were to withdraw from me in my life, would I even miss him? Y'all, this series, we're, we're going deep. If the Spirit were to withdraw from me, would I even miss him? Would I even know it? A person after God's heart is ingrained in the spiritual, living in the spiritual, living in the spirit, living in the supernatural. After all, the supernatural is just a natural part of who we are. It should be. The supernatural should be a natural part of who we are, living in the spiritual. If the Holy Spirit were to withdraw from my life, would I miss him? Am I so routine, am I so self-dependent that I could go on for weeks and never realize the Spirit has departed? We need to be careful to realize that that results, the product of a Spirit-filled life is the fruit of the Spirit. I love what Paul says in Galatians, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of these are really being tested right now. Can I get an amen? All of these are really being tested right now. But, but Paul continues in Colossians, he says, and with joyful endurance in times of trial. These are the results of the Spirit, the product of the Spirit working in our life. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, all of that and a desire for joyous endurance in trial. Yes, our character is certainly under fire right now. Yes, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, it's all under fire right now. But Paul even says it's a joyful endurance to go through them, to remain loyal and steadfast through them. And then I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that this year our theme was pursued because our, 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 theme, beca- our theme became our theme before all of this even happened, Right? to pursue, to remain steadfast, to remain loyal, to remain unshakable. And and so the fruit of the Spirit, part of the Spirit-filled life, is enduring through all of that. Are you enduring? Are you unshakable? Because He is our partner who comes alongside of us and leads us and places us on solid ground. These are the products, the results of a Spirit-filled and a Spirit-led life. And these these all represent the character of God. If we were to have a heart after God's heart, These represent the character 
of God. And, and I love how, how they're relational and intentional in every aspect. And I love how Paul closes out that chapter. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Our audio matches our visual. We talked about that earlier this year. Everything we say matches everything we do. We have to not just live by the Spirit, but walk by the Spirit, which means we are constantly moving. We are constantly moving forward, going deeper in our relationship. Not only are we living it, we are walking in it. Amen? Third, to have a heart after God's heart, we must spend time alone with God. And I, I, y'all, I've said this over and over again this year. This is the time to spend time with God. Please spend time with God. Withdraw from people, withdraw from distractions, but draw close to him. Even Jesus would withdraw from the crowds and be, and be renewed and recharged in the presence of God. We have to spend time alone with God. I love it because David was always out in the field with his father's sheep. And even when, when Samuel came, a messenger came, I imagine out of breath, David, the prophet Samuel is here. Your dad wants you to come in. He's looked at all of your other brothers, but he, has, he hasn't said anything. He, he, and he asked if there's any other kids left in here, and your dad wanted you to come. So David comes to the house, and the prophet Samuel is with, with your family. He wants you to come. And so David went in, into everyone's bewilderment. Everybody's like, really, David? You want David? Samuel anoints David. And everybody's like, what? This guy? And I love it because, and then Samuel went back to Ramah. But where did David go? David, the newly anointed king, went back to the fields. He went back to the presence of God. He went back to where he poured out of his heart. He went back to where he downloaded from heaven and wrote the Psalms, wrote songs. Amen? We have to be alone in the presence of God. Fortunately, I love this because he didn't have a Walkman or an iPod. He wrote his own music. And that's where we get the Psalms. Amen. David used that time alone to develop his relationship with God. Oh, that we would spend time listening and in tuning into the voice of God. And because it, it's in the quiet times and in the quiet place that we find joy. It's in the quiet times and the quiet place that we find peace, that we find a new song in our hearts and on our lips. Where all that we are is directed to him and all that he is flows from our hearts. We need that time with God. And here's the thing. Psalm 23 probably flowed out of those, those quiet times in the field. Psalm 19 probably flowed out of those quiet times in the field, looking up at the heavens and seeing the wonderful works of God, meditating on God's revelation through creation. It was this time that he used to develop his skill as a musician, as a worship leader, and expressing his feelings of adoration toward God through psalms. Now, if you're married with children, I imagine that spending alone time with God is probably hard. Amen, parents? Especially with like three, four, five, 25,000 kids. I know a pastor who's, they're pregnant with twins. This will be eight children total. Lord, bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them. Give them peace. <laughs> but if you're single, you'll probably have to fight this time that you have alone, and find, listen, find that time for spiritual growth. Find that quiet time, that alone time. I can't say that enough this year. We've been gifted so much time. How many of us have wasted it? 
and just let it fly by. It's not a season of isolation. It needs to be a season of preparation and revelation. Amen. If we want to be women and men of God's heart, we must be consistent. Somebody say consistent. Somebody say steadfast. Just trying to be steadfast, bro. We must be consistent in our our alone time with him. Listen, my ability to remain steadfast and unshakable is grounded in my desire to be faithful. If I'm going to be steadfast and unshakable, I have to desire to be faithful. See, some people can't stand to be alone. They fill every moment with noise from the radio, from the TV. They, they feel they need to be around people constantly. But you won't grow in the things of God unless you are rooted and planted in the things of God. You're not going to grow in the Word if you're not reading the Word. You're not going to grow in relationship if you're not planted in relationship. If other relationships are far greater and, and valued more than your relationship with God. You cannot grow unless you are planted. Amen? So let me make four quick practical suggestions to this. One, learn to read. Learn to read. Learn to read the Word. Learn to read books. Y'all, I hate reading. Ask Adrian. I, I cannot stand. I'll, I'll put an audible book on, an audio book, whatever. But like to pull up in a book, I, I got, maybe it's from all the years in the Army reading stuff. Like I just hate it. So I have to force myself to read. But the thing is, when I find a good book, I can't put it down. And when I find a good book, I can't put it down. So learn to read. And look, this is not just for you. This is for your children. Your children need to see you reading. I've said this before. You can have your phone, reading your phone. But from what your kids are seeing, they think you're just playing a game or on social media. Get the Bible out. Read the Bible. Let them see you reading the Word. We like to try every night to get the Bible out and let them read one or two chapters. Helps them to learn to read too. We'll bring up King James Version sometime. But learn to read. Let them see you reading. What should you read? First and foremost, read your Bible. Find good Christian spiritual growth books for you to read. Look, if you've never done it, 2020 is the perfect time to read the Bible all the way through. 2020, read the Bible. New slogan, 2020, read the Bible. Okay. (laughs) Read books that help you grow spiritually. And second, learn to pray. Learn to pray. Learn to to pray Jesus' prayer. Dive into it, dissect it. What does it mean when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread? What does it mean when he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? What does that mean? Dive into that. Pray those prayers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start with praise. Praise. Give praise to God. And and not just Jesus' prayer. Look Look at Paul's prayers. There's at least four prayers throughout Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Read them. They're so good. Read them. Look them up. Paul's prayers. You won't be disappointed because it's the Word of God. Learn to pray and upload your prayers as you download His presence. Don't don't just like, God, I need this, and, and just bounce. Sit, marinate, and wait for God to download something into your spirit as well. Download as you upload. Amen? Receive from God. Second, or third, learn to worship. Y'all, this is huge. Learn to worship. If Sunday is about confirmation and, and confirming the word that you're reading, not revelation, but if Sunday is about confirmation, then Sunday for worship should be an outflow or an overflow of your worship from throughout the week. This is not the only day to worship. If this is the only day you're, that you're finding time to worship, this is the only day you're finding worth in the heart of God. 
That's what worship is, worth shaping, shaping our worth. If you need to find worth and value as a child of God, you need to find it day in and day out at the, in the presence of God, bowed before him in spirit and in truth, completely unveiled, laying it all before him. God, I need you. I worship you. I adore you. And then on Sunday, this is your overflow time. You get so much more. This is your, let it all out. You've downloaded throughout the week. Now upload everything on Sunday. Love that. Amen. This is your time for an overflow of your private worship. Learn to adore God and marvel at his love for you in your alone time. Amen. And you might have to be really alone to do this, but find time to sing. You might have to be really alone. Even if you stink, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen. Make a joyful noise. Let it all out. Pour it all out. He didn't say you had to sing in key. He didn't say make sure you, your, your instruments are in tune, make sure you can hold a tone. No, he just said make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Pour out your worship. Amen. Lastly, learn to think through the lens of his word. Learn to think through the lens of his word. You can't think if you're never alone with God. Learn to evaluate, evaluate life through his word. Think through current events through the lens of his word. The things that are happening around you, think about it and meditate on it through the lens of his word. What does his word say about this? What, is, what does his word reveal about what is going on? The things that you read, the things that other people are saying, the current circumstances, your goals, your family needs, think about them and meditate them through the filter of the word. Think about these things. Number four, the fourth quality, be faithful in the small things. Be faithful in the small things. David, a shepherd boy, would become king over Israel, lead mighty armies. But it all started because he was faithful in the small things. When we first encounter David, he is tending his father's sheep, a job his older, older brothers even looked down on. David's father didn't even consider him to be uh, important enough to be included at the big event with Samuel. But God saw David's faithfulness in this seemingly unimportant task. And it was part of his apprenticeship in leading a nation. This shepherd would become the shepherd of a nation and lead them, defend them, and fight for them. And when a predator attacked one of his sheep, David didn't shrug off his shoulder and say, well, what a dumb sheep. No, he fought. He rescued his sheep. And Saul heard of David's skill as a musician and summoned him to the palace. And I'm, I'm sure David uh, went to play his harp. And as he played his harp out in the field, he never dreamed he would be sitting in the king's palace playing for the king. But when he did, he served well. Everywhere he was, in every level, he served well. He served with excellence. And then came the war with the Philistines. And and David's older brothers joined Saul in the battlefield, but David was back tending his father's sheep. There he is again, the little things. And he was serving as an errand boy. And so when Jesse wanted David to go find out about his brother's welfare, he left his flock with someone. Listen, true leadership is understanding that the flock can never go unattended. He didn't just up and leave the flock. He left it with somebody. He left it with a keeper. He made sure the flock had somebody with him, with them. 
And as a leader of your home, you need to make sure you are leaving your kids, your family, in the hands of the keeper. Lord, bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. And so he shows up on the battlefield, and this, this threatens David's oldest brother, and, and he puts down this sarcastic question to David. But I love it because David could have easily returned an insult, but he remained silent. Oh, that we could learn to remain silent. Oh, that I could learn to remain silent. How much love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-respect would I have? Amen. David easily could have returned an insult, but instead he held his tongue. and He was learning obedience in his speech. None of these things represent anything big, but they all combine to show that David was learning to be obedient in the small things and the insignificant things where, where God was bringing him and anointing him to lead. And when Samuel left after he anointed him, he could have easily said, I'm not going back to the sheep. I'm anointed as king. I'm not running your errands, dad. I'm the king. He could have easily done that. He was anointed right then and there. But he understood to remain faithful and await his time with the little things. We have to be faithful in the little things. The Bible even says, Jesus says, if you be faithful in the little, he'll, be make, he'll make you faithful in much. Lord, make me faithful. Don't give me. Lord, make me. Obedience in the small things doesn't seem like much, but it's still the small strands woven together that make the rope. It's the moral fiber which enables us to attack and defeat the huge problems of life. Being faithful in the little. Amen. Would you stand with me? as we close today. I heard the story of a pastor. Uh, he spoke of an opportunity to talk to some national directors, missions people. And uh, he, he went and, and somebody came and picked him up and he went to the conference center and the past, pastor asked how the morning had gone. And it turned out all the missions directors had been divided on, on some kind of thing. And there was this heated debates and there was division. There was no unity on what they should be doing. So the pastor gets up there during his time and he says, let's just take a moment and spend time in the presence of God. And after spending time, spending a couple moments in the presence of God, he asked, if, if you spent time with God this morning, you spent time in his word, you spent time in prayer, raise your hand. And only very few of the missions directors raised their hands. And so he challenged them, look, tomorrow morning before you get here, spend three hours in the presence of God. Wake up, get in the Word, spend time in prayer. And they were all outraged. We don't have time for that. We're here to cover business and to do all kinds of things. I don't have time to spend time in the presence of God. And he insisted, you need to do it. So the next day they came together. And in unity, they resolved all of their problems. Do you want to see unity in your nation and in your community? Spend time in the presence of God. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the Word. Pray about things. Amen. Spend time with God. We need this, these four qualities in our life. We have to be truly converted, truly changed. Depend on the Holy Spirit day in and day out. Spend time alone with God and practice obedience in the small things that He gives us 
to do. That's how God developed David from a shepherd boy to a shepherd of nation, of the nation, to lead a nation. That's how God develops us to be faithful in these little things, to make us ruler over much. Over the next few weeks, we're going to dive deeper into a, a lot of these characteristics and attributes. Next week, I want to talk about being faithful in the face of giants. It's going to be good. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have called us and anointed us. Father, I pray that we would remain faithful until we see the work of your hands. You are the author of the finisher of our faith. And you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Father, let us remain faithful until the day of completion. To remain unshakable and immovable. Give us a heart to chase after you, to pursue after you. For these are the people that you're searching for. Let us be found. Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.